I want to start out our time this morning by showing you uh, two scriptures. Good morning, by the way. (laughs) Uh, But let's uh, start out with uh, two scriptures. All right. Uh, The first one's from 1 Timothy 3. All right. Here's what it says. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer or an elder desires a noble task. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he, will, uh, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also uh, have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace into the devil's trap. All right, here's Titus 1. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put uh, in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open uh, to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Such an overseer manages uh, God's household. He must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Pretty similar passages, right? They they sound uh, very similar. And you'll find uh, that most of the scripture references that have to do with selecting elders has to do with the demonstrated character of the leader. Right? So it's as you observe them, as you look at them, as you examine their life, it is their demonstrated character that you're looking for. And the reason this is so important is the work of an elder, uh, it really, there, there's a lot of things you could describe it as, but it really goes to one, uh, three things. Uh, one is example setting. That part of the work of an elder is that every church uh, that Paul was planting and every church that Paul was overseeing is he wanted to provide real life examples of what godly character looks like. Now that is not to say elders uh, or anybody else for that matter are are perfect people. They are not perfect people. As a matter of fact, sometimes you can even look to them as an example in the way that they handle their weaknesses. Uh, That that you can handle your mistakes and you can handle your shortcomings in a godly Christ-like way. And so um, that's the first thing is example setting. I love what Max Lucado said. He said, I remember as a youngster having a high jump bar in the backyard. I spent many hours throwing myself over the bar, which was a cane fishing pole uh, and a landing pit, which was an old mattress. I was proud of my achievements until the day my big brother and his friends came around. They raised the bar. When they jumped, their minimum was my maximum. They began where I finished. They jumped higher than I could ever dream. When they left, the bar was at a new level and I had a new concept of what it meant to jump high. They had set a new standard. Here's Max Lucado's words. Elders are called to raise the bar of the church. They set an example and lift the standard of what it means to be a Christian. The life of an elder should inspire us to raise the bar in our home life, prayer life, character, and dedication. All right? So it's example setting. The other thing that elders are called to do is leading. 
Uh, the way the Bible says this is they direct the affairs of the church. Now, they do not do all the work of the church. That would be an unhealthy situation for a small group of people to do all the work of the church. But when, when uh, Paul talks about directing the affairs of the church, they keep the church moving in the right direction. They are pursuing mission. They are pursuing vision. They are helping us stay on track. And if you've been a part of Northwest for very long at all, you know that we've kind of been on this path. We've developed a new vision, new desire to reach our community. Uh, the renovation kind of came from that vision that, that, and that, that's been the work of our elders is, is helping us develop that vision, helping us pursue that vision to be a growing family, journeying together to be more like Jesus. And then the third thing is protection. The elders are sometimes called shepherds and what a good shepherd does is he protects the sheep. And believe it or not, uh, I've been in ministry uh, for 20 years. It just occurred to me uh, yesterday, actually. It's like I graduated college in 1998. So this is my 20th year of, of doing this. And this comes up. I, I want you to know this comes up. That occasionally a teaching finds its way into the church or into a small group or a class or whatever. And the elders have to come in and say, no, we're not teaching that here. Uh, we don't believe that's good for the body. We don't believe that's good for our church. And that does come up, not very often, but occasionally it does come up. And we learn about being a good shepherd from the ultimate good shepherd. Here's what Psalm 23 says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Uh, he restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you can see how why Paul talks about internal character and demonstrated character so much, because it's required for all three roles, right? To be an example, you need to be a person of good character. To lead, you need to be a person of good character because making decisions and addressing issues affect a lot of people, and you want that to come from a, from a good place. And protection, it comes from uh, good hearts and good character and, and, and all of that. And so if you were here last week, you know that we're kind of uh, in the middle of our elder nominating process. And uh, this is the sheet that we produce every year. You can actually find this. If you walk out of this room and go to your left, you'll find our church offices. And they're on a stand in front of those church offices. And it has those scriptures that I just read to you. And it has the attributes listed. And the purpose of this sheet uh, is that you would uh, kind of read this sheet and you would begin to think, do I know anybody that sounds this way? Do I know anybody that looks this way? And uh, what we ask you to do is to write the name of the nominee on the paper and turn it into the church office. And uh, the way this works is if a person gets uh, three nominations, if three people see the same thing that you see, uh, then we begin a process and we bring them in. And the first thing they do is they fill out a questionnaire about their life and their ministry and what that looks like. The second thing that happens is after they fill out that questionnaire, we bring them in for an interview uh, with, with the whole eldership. And uh, the, the eldership kind of uh, asks them some questions and tries to determine if there's anything there. And then assuming those things go well, then that person's name is presented to you. And you're given an opportunity to say, hey, I know the questionnaire went well. Uh, I, I know the elders said this person's great, but I had a business dealing with this person, and I'm telling you, it didn't go well. They didn't show good character. And that gives you an opportunity to, to bring forward a concern that you have, and then uh, that, that would be addressed at that time. And assuming that goes well, and then we, we give their name to you for a final affirmation a few weeks later, 
uh, and, um, and they become an elder at that point. So what we're asking for you today, and I'm gonna have some of our elders come forward right now uh, to join me on the stage. Um, so what we're asking for you is that uh, these sheets, we're asking you to kind of pray through this and think through this, and um, August 26th is when the sheet would be due. So you have a couple weeks to think and pray about it. And um, we can describe this to you. And I talked about that last week in the first five, 10 minutes of the sermon this week. We can talk to you about this and describe this to you. But um, one of our goals for this year is I wanna expose you to our leaders and our elders a little bit more so that you can see their heart and you can see uh, what they're like. And so I, uh, there's five of them here. We actually have seven elders. Um, a couple of them couldn't be here today. Um, but I'm just gonna ask them some questions and they're gonna... Uh, they promised me they were going to answer them. So, uh, and uh, so we're going we're gonna to do that. But um, go ahead and just kind of, Steve, we'll start with you and just kind of introduce yourself for anybody that may not know you. Is this thing on? <laughs> I think it is. Good morning. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Steve Weesey, I've been a member here since 1980. Okay. Uh, so I'm the, uh, the old man on the board. <laughs> At least this, this group. So, uh, over the years, I've been on a lot of boards. Uh, been a chairman once, and so that's kind of my background. All right. Uh, good morning, um, Cindy, and I've been going here since. Uh, sorry, is that better? Yeah. All right. <laughs> since 1988, raised our kids here, um, and. I don't know, gosh, served in youth ministry on and off throughout most of that time. Um, I really enjoy that part of the ministry here in the church and have enjoyed uh, many relationships here uh, that my wife and I have been able to uh, foster. So thank you. And when we do, uh, when we do the ballots this year, you'll see these guys are... Our elders serve three years at a time, and Steve and Pat, this is their third year, so they're up for reaffirmation and uh, have both agreed to do that. So we're, we're excited about that. Hi, I'm Brent Owen. Uh, my wife, Diane, and I moved to the area in 1991 and became members of the church then, and I've been an elder for the church here just for the last few years. So, Good morning. Hello. Yeah. It's good? All right. Must sound better to you than it does me. Um, uh, my name is Travis White. Um, I have been in the Decatur area for about 12 years now, I think, and I've been attending here for most of that time. And I guess this would be my fourth year as an elder. Right? Well, time flies. But, uh, I helped out. I've, I've been helping out in youth ministry uh, pretty much since I started attending here and became a member. And now I'm doing this too. Hello, my name's James Zahart. I'm probably the new guy on the block. Uh, I've been an elder for just a year here. Uh, we've been members for about three. Uh, my wife, Andrea, sings in the praise team. She's up here this morning. So we have two boys that are in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you. Well, why don't you guys talk a little bit about, if you can kind of take yourself back to when you decided to be an elder, how did you discern that God was calling you to this? What, what did that process look like for you? I think the first thing is that it is a process. Um, you don't just wake up one morning and say, I want to be an elder. Um, it's a, a time thing, and I would say a spirit thing. Um, you know, that, that's how I would characterize okay. it. 
time, prayer. Yeah, prayer, spirit. Talking uh, to family. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Anybody have? Yeah, for me, the, uh, the Holy Spirit had been prompting me for quite some time to be a more um, effective part of the body here. You know, as a member here, um, he calls us each to be an effective member of the body and to be to function effectively. And so, uh, like I say, the Spirit had been leading me to do more. Uh, there, there were members in the church that encouraged me to be uh, to consider running uh, for eldership. And uh, so, after some prayer, then move forward with that process. Anybody else have anything that would? I, I think in my case, a little bit similar to what Brent said, I had been helping in the youth ministry, but I felt kind of a calling to maybe, you know, branch out into some other areas and, and see what that was. I wasn't exactly thinking eldership until somebody came and said, you know, you've been nominated. So, okay. uh, but I, you know, I prayed about it a lot after that and realized that's kind of the direction that, that God was leading me in. Yeah, eldership is kind of an interesting thing in terms of, you know, one of the, one of the qualifications for it is that you desire to do it. You know, so some churches almost have kind of an attitude of, you know, you want to find somebody kind of resistant to it and talk them into it, <laughs> you know, where, you know, the, the Bible would actually say the opposite. You, you want someone that really wants to do this work because at times it can be kind of hard work, I, th I think. But James, what were you going to? Well, you just mentioned, uh, starting out your sermon, shepherding the flock is as the main goal and responsibility as an elder, and that, that's huge. Um, looking at the flock and, and trying to help them grow spiritually, help this church to main, maintain stability. And so it, it'll be here in 50, 100 years, but uh, that, that's a huge responsibility, and I take that seriously. Well, and that, that actually goes to our next question. That's a good segue for that, about when you guys are thinking about your personalities, we're, Everybody's kind of drawn to a certain thing. What, what, are, what, are the, what, what, are the, what is the work of eldership that just by your personality you're kind of most drawn to? Counseling, teaching, leadership? Where, where would you kind of put yourselves in terms of your own giftedness that you enjoy the most? I'm a, my gift, I guess, would be I'm an encourager. Uh, I enjoy seeing people grow in the Lord seeing people succeed, even seeing people fail, you know, when, uh, when we handle it properly. Um, so that would be the thing that probably excites me the most. And to witness what I've witnessed here over the last 40 years, you know, the growth mm -hmm. of several individuals, and it's humbling, yeah. uh, very humbling. That's so you see when somebody falls or fails and it doesn't go well, you, you see that as an opportunity to encourage them. So they yeah, ab absolutely, yeah. because yeah. we all do. You know, yeah, we all backslide or make mistakes, whatever you want to call it. But right. if somebody's there to help pick you up and uh, just listen a lot of times, you know, that can make all the difference. I think for me, um, just having the opportunity to show up and be part of people's lives uh, in a way that we're called to do as elders. Um, I think one aspect of that is uh, visiting people when they're ill or they're not feeling well, whether it's in the hospital or in their home or even calling them on the phone and just having the opportunity to pray with them. Uh, 
it really reminds me of how blessed I am when I have that opportunity to do that. Um, it is an honor, and I really take that very uh, much to heart. Yeah, I'd agree with what Pat was saying. Uh, um, you know, listening to the needs of the uh, members of the church here, I'm much better listening than I am standing up in front of a group and speaking. So, one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, listening to the the needs and concerns of the members is what I'm best at. I'd say. Okay. I kind of had similar thoughts as far as just being able to connect with people, you know, at where they're at and the things that come up and um, being able to pray for everybody. And it's my prayer life, it can get stagnant pretty easily if I'm not focused on it. But a part of this is, you know, we, we get to hear about a lot of the needs that maybe I wouldn't have heard about otherwise. And there's just kind of some more specific things and, you know, praying is something that we can always do for people. So uh, no matter how connected we are to them individually. So that's, that's been something too. I wanted, to, I wanted to be a part of a church who had a vision, a part of a church who, who wants to grow, who wants to be here in 50 or 100 years. And I wanted to be a part of a group of men who had that vision. And that's what I saw, and that's what I was excited about. And another thing that brings excitement to me is just to see young people build their life on the rock. Hmm. Yeah. And it's not, it's really, uh, you know, to kind of... Uh, piggyback off of what Travis said too. It's, it's not something we talk about a ton, but anytime you fill out uh, one of those prayer cards every single week, uh, that list of prayer requests gets sent to all these guys. Um, and so usually on Monday, we process those prayer requests. So you can have confidence that you're, you're being prayed for uh, as you fill those cards out. And we try to mention it a couple times a year. Just, you know, we want you to know what's done with those prayer requests, that they go to our eldership. Um, and, uh, and I know that they're that they process those and pray for those and um, to, to lift our congregation up. But um, what do you guys think of some of the challenges of, of eldership? If you want to speak to that for a moment, do you, do you see some of the, what, what are, what are some of the challenges of the, of the role? Uh, one of the guys said this earlier, but you know, when you're, when you're an elder, there's uh, the human part of you. I think sometimes uh, kind of gets this attitude not on my watch mm -hmm. uh, where you feel personally responsible okay. for uh, some things that happen and you know it, it's not about you uh, it's about God so you know when you fail and you feel like you fail personally sometimes that's harder to take. That's why the unity uh, on this board in this room uh, is so exciting. And uh, just looking at things historically over the last 40 years almost, I've witnessed some really incredible things in this body. Yeah. Um. I wrote some things down. You probably saw me with my paper. That's kind of the way I am. Um, fortunately, Steve gave us the questions prior to. So I actually said That's the them. way I am. Yeah. Thank, thank goodness. And I, I wanted to read this because I took some time to write this down and um, just to share this with you. 
I think for me, my pride is a stumbling block. And I believe to be an effective leader that you need to be a servant and act with humility. Um, I think that I'm challenged and I need to be reminded that my time, talent, and treasure is not mine. And that it comes from God, fortunately. I've been privileged to have great examples um, that I serve with in this church today, not only up here, but you folks as well. I know that you pray for us, and I know that um, you lift us up, and it helps us to um, just act in that way that we can be more servant-like. Um, and I think that's the thing that keeps me grounded, is I have great examples, and I do appreciate that and say thank you for that. For me, I'd say that um, uh, number one of the things is that uh, being an elder, I'm more aware of the things that aren't necessarily progressing the way I think God's will might be outstanding for and so you know that's discouraging to to be more aware of those mm. things that aren't going well um, the other thing that i've learned over the last year is that it's um, i have in my mind the pace by which things should happen and god often shows that his will is you know for a different timeline than what i have in my mind so that's that's another thing that i've learned through this process as well yeah um, I think for me, it's, I'm not a very confrontational person, <laughs> uh, typically, and, you know, if I had it my way, we'd all just come in and join hands and sing Kumbaya for an hour, and <laughs> all be well, and, um, and that's, fortunately, things usually go that way, but there are difficult, there are difficult decisions and conversations that we have to have, you know, when we have meetings and things like that, and, um, you know, just the idea of, of being able to kind of process through that and, not just think of it from my own perspective, but what's best for all of us and for the congregation, and just to yeah, just to embrace the confrontation part of things because it's going to come up. For me, it's just time management, just trying to manage, you know, your job and your family, and and your relationship with God, and and then all your the, the flock here, you know, being fair. And giving people the amount of time they deserve and they need, uh, just trying to manage all that and be there for people. Time, time management's tough sometimes. Right. Uh, final kind of thing, what, what is your prayer uh, for Northwest as we move into the future? We'll just kind of start with Steve and kind of work our way down. Let's keep our eye on the ball. Uh, like I said earlier, unity is contagious. I've seen great amounts of growth in our unity over the last, I don't know, decade, dozen years. Um, it's really important. It's contagious. It, uh, I think, allows us to, to reach outside these walls, to reach people uh, in a way that only God can do, you know, through his spirit. I wrote this down. <laughs> um, I am blessed to have an older sister who has a very robust prayer life, and there are many times um, that we call each other and we pray specifically about a certain circumstance, 
And I believe that um, we're called to do that, is to be specific, because the way that we ask things and the way that we interact with God strengthens that relationship that we have. And so here is my prayer, that we as a church body would continue to grow in our faith, that our desire to serve others would deepen, that our families and individual relationships would be strengthened and restored, and that we would continue to reach the lost for Christ. My prayer is that as the Holy Spirit uh, speaks to each of the members of the congregation, that they uh, listen to the Holy Spirit and become uh, the effective member of this body that we all need to be in order for us to function the way God would, would love to have us function as a church body. I would say something kind of similar to what Brent just said, but the idea of uh, just getting more people involved within all the things we have going on here, getting more people involved at leadership levels at different positions, um, and you know whether it's investing in the younger generation or people in the older generation that aren't involved in something right now. Um, but just that idea, just to see more people involved and invested at wherever their talents and abilities take them. And you know, the more people we have serving in all those areas, the stronger we can be with, with everybody kind of hitting their best talents. God, as I see it, God has blessed this congregation in so many ways. You know, now, now is the time is just one of those, one of those things. I guess my goal for the future is uh, to look at the Great Commission and to fill every one of these new seats. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I just want to say before I, I pray um, that Cheryl and I are are so grateful for for the elder board that we have at this church. I know you all aren't exposed as much as we are, but what we have here at our church is very unusual. Uh, you're talking to a guy whose home church, um, a board meeting one time devolved into a fist fight, all right? So at, at my home church. And um, what, we, what we have here is very unique and it's, we're really, really blessed. I know um, just for us personally over um, the last, the year and a half has been really challenging for, uh, for my family in a lot of ways. And these guys have given my family every single thing we've needed uh, to make it through the, through, through the season that we've been in. And uh, I can't begin to tell you how grateful I am for that because I have a lot of exposure to other pastors and other leaders, other ministers. Um, and I know a lot of them work under very difficult circumstances. And these guys take protection seriously. Um, they've taken it for my family. They take it for you. Um, they take shepherding seriously, and I'm grateful for them. So uh, let me pray. All right. Heavenly Father, uh, I want to thank you uh, for our church and uh, for our elders and leaders. Um, Lord, it's good for us to do this every year, to just chat about this topic and uh, to study your word about this topic. And um, we want a uh, healthy leadership culture here. Um, and uh, because that's the, the thing you prayed for, your, your son prayed for before he went to the cross was for unity. Um, that Jesus said the world would know you if the church would be unified. And so we want that. We pray for that. And by your grace, um, we're walking in it. And so help us to continue to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Um. So much of uh, what we um, think about as the gospel of good news 
uh, flows from Jesus' work as our good shepherd. And so um, he goes to the cross, he pays for our sin, he dies for us, he, he resurrects. Um, and a lot of what that is about is his pastoral desire for us um, to have our sins forgiven, to know God in this life and the next, to be empowered by his Holy Spirit, to live the life we were created to live. So Jesus really is the, the good, the great shepherd uh, that we want to model ourselves after, after. And right now is our opportunity in this uh, church service to celebrate and remember that gospel of good news about how good our good shepherd is. And so um, our ushers are going to um, pass communion trace here in just a minute. You'll find two cups stacked on top of each other. One has some bread. It represents Jesus' body. Uh, the other has some juice. represents his blood. And this is an opportunity for us to remember uh, what Jesus accomplished on the cross, what our good shepherd, our good pastor accomplished so that we could live life well in this life and in the next. Let me pray one more time for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. We thank you for this gospel of good news. May we as a church celebrate it, remember it, uh, live it out, and never forget it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.